Hey y'all, this is Emily. Welcome to Tackling Minds. Today's conversation is with Evie G. Evie is a Seattle-based visual artist and co-creator of Exhale Movement. Her movement journey began with ballet and martial arts as a child, but her passion for movement didn't develop until she was introduced to the world of fitness and eventually pole dancing. As a firm believer in cross-training for all kinds of movement, she became inspired to create a brand that would cater to a diverse range of movers and athletes. The evolution of their brand creation led her and her business partner, Jessica, to create a tool for movers from all walks of life, a deck of prompt cards called Movement Awakening. Listen on and hear more about the mind behind this Kickstarter. When we inhale versus exhale, Exhale is the part where we actually downregulate our system. To take this from your website, the idea of the deep breath we take before we begin our craft and it's what calms and centers your focus. So I'd love to hear you expand on your personal experience. For both of us, you know, we're obviously, we're dancers. And me, me and Jessica, my co-owner, our immediate thought was like, oh, when we perform. We met at, like as performers, like we did a piece together and we're like, you know what, we click really well and... Let's, and it seems like we have some business things in the same, like we're on the same wavelength and it, we just worked, it just worked out that way. But the idea was like, we're performers, we're dancers, and it's that breath you take right before you begin your performance when you're on stage and you're like, oh, okay, I'm ready now. You know, and that's true for any sort of sports movement anything like you always take that breath before you begin your movement so that's the idea of where exhale came from because you can't you can't just hold your inhale because then you're just holding everything in you got to let it go <laughs> so personally for you has it been a common practice even since you were young though because you t- you did ballet and martial arts when you were a kid and I'm sure throughout those times but like for ballet you guys had to go to recitals and stuff so that was probably like the early times of being on stage you know as a kid were you ever nervous how did you feel about yourself you can't help but compare yourself to the other girls yeah for me I mean ballet was something I did really really young you know my mom put me in dance classes when I was gosh maybe four four years old and I did like ballet I did tap she made she was the type of mom that was like you're gonna try everything which I know like sometimes I think it's a good thing and then sometimes I'm like was that actually a good thing because it's kind of that situation of like jack of all trades but master of none (laughs) so I feel like I've dabbled in so many things that I haven't truly mastered anything until now with pole that's something I feel really you know comfortable and very like confident in but um but yeah so like I started ballet when I was maybe four or five years old and it it was I made me happy at the time and I was like yeah this is fun and I just remember with the dance recitals my grandparents would come watch and they'd be like you weren't smiling like, why, why aren't you smiling? And I'm like, I, I was just very concentrated. And like, that's how, that was my, like, my whole thought. Like, every time I go on stage as a young child, I'm like, okay, I got to get it right. I got to get it right. Serious face on, you know? Your game and, face. Um, mm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then I transitioned to martial arts maybe when I was about 10 years old. And I did Taekwondo. I didn't make it all the way up to the black belt because that was another thing that was like I tried it I did it for a while and then I was like eh. but I mean I did love both it was kind of interesting to have like the duality of like something that's so deep like deemed so feminine and then something that's like 
quite the opposite. You know, like kicking people down and throwing punches. <laughs> After, you know, I went to college and then that's when, you know, my more, more recent love for movement came about. How do you mean? I went to school in Chicago. I was there for art school for a few years. And it was when Nike started doing this um, training club thing where they actually offered free classes to people. It was really cool. And so I met some really amazing people. I was like, college student, free classes, hell yeah, like I'll do it. So I went the maximum, I think it was like four times a week that you could go. I maxed it out every single week for months. And that's when my love of fitness came in to play. And then from there, I moved back to Seattle and I didn't have that anymore. I found pole eventually through my mother. Through um, your mom. Whoa. Hey, yeah. tell me about that. <laughs> yeah. So my mom tried pole dancing through a Groupon with a couple of her friends and, you know, her being like, oh, you should try all the things, right? And figure out what you like. She came back and she goes, I think you actually might like this. And I was like, all right, like, I'll give it a try. So I did. And I was like, this is kind of, this is weird, but in a really amazing way. It felt like I was mixing, you know, my history of martial arts and ballet together because it was like dance, but a little more hardcore. <laughs> There's a different element of strength and fluidity. Oh my gosh. Does your mom still pole? She does. She That's does. so awesome. Yeah. She doesn't do it, obviously, right now. Not as much because she doesn't have much access right now. But yeah, she pulls. She inverts when she wants to <laughs> she she's much uh, she's much more of like a low flow person she likes to stay close to the ground but yeah she still pulls she still dances how much of your mom's influence do you think has an impact on you as you dive into different form of like physical art Ooh, good question i think subconsciously a lot only because that's kind of how she raised me and how you know that mentality of try try it all you know, get get the feelers out before you make decisions. And I think because of that, like, I, I think it's just always in the back of my mind. Nothing that I think of consciously. Do you think that has a spillover effect to your other projects? You know, now I'm thinking about it. In art school, and the school that I chose, I chose it because they allowed you to, you didn't have to choose just one major and just stick to it. Like, you didn't have to choose just photography, or you didn't have to choose just fashion design they encouraged you to dabble in other mediums. Yeah, I mean, so I, I had the opportunity to try all sorts of things in the few years that I was there um, in terms of like different kinds of art. So, I mean, I went in for photography. That's, that's my background. You know, I started that in high school, carried that over to college. So photography was my main thing. Tried it for a couple semesters and I was like, hmm, don't know if I love it. Then I started dabbling in other things, um, sculpture and interior design, product design, graphic design. The only thing I shied away from, though, was the um, performance art, surprisingly. Until and today. Now, yeah. And now that's after it's, it's kind of weird, actually, because after college, I just basically flipped that around. And, and now all I do is is performing art. <laughs> Because we had the opportunity to diversify our interests and even like pursue our interests for a little bit, 
Do you think that further informs of what we definitely do not want to keep in our movement practice and thus allows us to channel more focus into what does pique more interest than the others? It, it, there's no longer this whole like, what if, like th- these distractions, you know what I mean? So now that you've been sticking with pole more, what do you think you had tried that kind of brought you back to pole even stronger? Ooh, I have to say, like, I've never been big on team sports so that's something i guess that i've tend to shy away from and which strengthens my love for pole and just dance in general i feel like it's it's kind of a different communal aspect with dance versus like a team sports situation it feels a little different to me with team sports like you all have to be you know one wavelength and it feels like everything is like in the moment whereas with dance, like I feel like the pace is a little bit slower. I, f- I feel like it feels less competitive. Maybe that's the better a better word for it, um, which I like. Because team sports always feels like, you know, there's two teams and one has to win. <laughs> Whereas with dance, it's, it's more than that. Everyone has a different kind of expression that they can, they can portray and put out for other people to see and it's it's like for other people almost like it's a for like dance is for you but it's also for other people well speaking of competition what kind of noise did you have to carry around especially being a cross trainer and different physical expressions so when i say noise i mean maybe especially in pole when we first start out when we first start out like for me it was exciting because it was like, oh my gosh, my body can do this. I can do that. I didn't think I could do this. Wow, this really hurts, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> you know, all that stuff. But it does get to a point when you start to seek, I guess, external motivation, you know, inspiration through other people's videos. And for me, I couldn't help but start to compare myself to other people, especially of like my size and my, and my built. And sometimes I can't help but look at some, like another pole athlete and their bodies be like super slim or super explosive. And I'm like, man, I really want to do that. You know, I don't know if that's really conducive or productive, but there's still some level of like competing with other people as opposed to allowing yourself to really develop your own, your own style and, and your own progress. I feel that. I do feel that a lot. The, the comparison thing, I think it's natural for everybody to feel that at some point. Not just with pole, not just with dance, anything. In some ways, I feel like it can be beneficial and helpful to your progress because you're, like, you may be comparing yourself, but also, like, for me personally, sometimes when I see somebody else do this, I'm like, oh, wait, no, I, I got to try that now. You know, like, that's kind of the kind of comparison that I, my mind goes to. But I also see... You know, when when you see someone else who's a little bit, who's built different than you or, you know, more flexible than you, I try not to let that get to me because I know I'm like every single person's body is different. No matter how hard you work, sometimes like your body's just not meant for that one move. And I always try to keep that in the back of my mind. And I actually, I owe a lot of that mindset to the studio that I started in and that I teach at right now, um, Divine Movement. Because our studio, our, like the foundation of our studio is very much, we encourage people to be, like, just be you. Dance for you. This movement is for you. If something doesn't feel good today, that's okay. But if something feels great and you achieve something today, amazing, you know? But it's okay to have bad days. It's okay to 
not get that move. It's okay to not be as flexible today. You know, it's, it's all part of the journey. So I owe a lot of that mindset to having a good foundation in this industry. Talk to me about that. So when you say you would like to credit Divine, who's behind Divine? Like who are your early teachers who inspired that kind of mindset and who still instills that today? Definitely our studio owner. She's mama bear to all of us right now <laughs> and always will be. Um, her name is uh, Jennifer Pattenude. She's just a powerhouse when it comes to ingraining that in us and I think it just comes down to also if the founder of the you know the leadership has that mindset and it like you know it trickles down to the rest of the company and the people that walk into your studio so having a great leadership is really key like to be able to like ingrain that mindset into people is pretty it's a pretty big deal I feel like pretty powerful she definitely has set the tone a lot the founder however um is angie cardwell she is no longer with the studio but she also like built a lot of this foundation as well and jen right now is carrying that out beautifully all the staff on on our team also does the same thing goes from leadership to the staff to the students right my early influences from our studio, my pole mom, Chrissy, she's a lovely, lovely, lovely person. And she, she's like just a very like motherly figure too. So <laughs> I think that also, it was almost like having like a second mom at my pole studio, which is amazing. Um, which is, and she's also my mom's pole mom. So it all connects. It all connects. Yeah. <laughs> How has that influenced you as an instructor now, as a teacher now? If you were to share one common message and the message that you stand by forever when you teach, what would that be? Or what is that? Dance for you. Dance for you and what, it's just for you. It doesn't have to be for anyone else. If it makes you happy, and then that's amazing. And that resonates easily, right? Like it doesn't take a lot of convincing. It's just a reminder, you know, to to really dance for yourself just around the narrative within our within our culture within our societies and it's also different in the states as opposed to like in asia asia have you experienced anyone of a more of a conventional environment growing up due to probably their racial background do you find it a little more difficult to help them embody this mindset the whole dance for yourself express yourself definitely that that's a big thing it's more common than you think and it's not just with people of asian descent just because you know america society by itself is very very down on women especially so things like comparing like we were talking about earlier, that's a big thing that I see a lot. Yeah, yeah, I see it in, in Asian descent and non-Asian descent students just almost equally, I want to say. Luckily, you know, like I said, our studio is very much, our message is very opposite of that. Sometimes it can be really hard to navigate that in your classroom. You know, there are times that one student's negative thought or um, something they say maybe about even if it's about themselves usually it is about themselves like they're like oh this you know like I can't do this or you know this doesn't work doesn't doesn't work or they get frustrated you know sometimes that trickles into other people's minds in yeah, the same studio space 
It is, it is, which is unfortunate, but it's our job as instructors to negate that. We try our best. I mean, there's only so much you can do sometimes too. Personally, I just try to keep encouraging and just stay positive and, you know, reaffirm like, it's okay. It's okay that you can't get it today. Just shake it off, revisit it, revisit another day. And a lot of times, you know, they revisit it the next time. They're like, oh, wait, this wasn't that bad. Is like the movement awakening in person form. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about self-expression. I had discovered that you used to do cosplay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. What does cosplay mean to you? What does it do for you? How does it help you with your expression? That's, I completely, I sometimes I forget that part of my life, honestly. Because <laughs> it's so, I feel like it's so different. And I've taken a hiatus for quite a few years now. It was right after college. I moved back home and I was just looking for something to do, I think. And, you know, my fiance and I are both like really into um, anime and all these, you know, geeky things. I just, I really appreciate the art. I personally think that animation and video game creation is, I would say it's, it's probably like the most labor intensive art form out there. So I'm just, I'm very, very intrigued by it. I'm very like, oh my God, like I appreciate this so much because I can, I know, you know, the lengths and the labor that goes into it to make it look this way. Obviously I'm an art student and I wanted to do something about it. I wanted to create something. I was itching to create something because after art school, um, I didn't really do anything. So cosplay came into play and I was like, yeah, mixing my love for nerdy things and my visual art side and that's how it came to be (laughs) there you go so you bring video games to life do you think that's a cool part behind a lot of cosplayers like did you get to mingle and talk to other cosplayers and i guess got to learn what cosplay does for them the reason why well like the reason why i don't go into this is because like i told you my brother is an anime is an animation like he worked on the most recent game ghost of tsushima and he brought up some really interesting points on how gaming and like also certain stories have really helped people who are dealing with depression and grief or just some sort of, you know, just some sort of restrictions. And these are the type of people who are pretty similar. Most of us are introverts. Most of us can't find or have difficulty finding ways to express that uh, w- within a social circle. And there's a lot of anxiety behind that as well. So I was wondering since cosplay is not exactly the same, but cosplay does have a relevance to to the whole gaming world. And I wonder if that is also just another way for some of us to express ourselves because we can't find ways to express it in, in like a real, you know, facade. Absolutely. And I think that's true for almost any type of art. I, th- I feel like cosplay is very much, it's a visual art, but it's also a performing at the same time. When you're walking around like convention hall centers and it, you are putting on a costume. And some people take that a step further and they actually like get into character, you know, which is, it's kind of, it's pretty cool sometimes. It's like acting. Um, it is. Yeah. It is, exactly. Um, you know, I, I never did that just because that was just not my thing. But I, you know, I obviously appreciate it. Yeah, I, I definitely see where you're coming from um, in terms of it is a facade that people put on and you know even when you're just playing video games by itself it's like you're, you're entering into a whole new, another world 
and you can just kind of let go of everything else for a minute. And I think that's very similar. Like you're putting a costume on and you're just letting everything else go for a minute and you're just you're just here to have fun kind of thing. Showing off what you made. That goes for dance as well, especially if you're doing a performance or a competition. You know, you're those three minutes on stage, you forget everything else. And then afterward, you're like, oh, like you just feel so relieved and you're like, I accomplished something. It's very similar. You know, cosplay is like, I made this thing and I want to show people. It kind of makes me think that I think all of us are performers to a certain extent. We just got to find the right avenue for us, for each of us. When it comes to expressing yourself on pole, how do you moderate your pole practice? Do you go into every practice the same way? Or like, you know, what, what are your prompts? Ah, that's honestly, like, it's hard, right? Especially in times like today when you can't, you don't have access to other people around you that you can just go to the studio with. You gotta get creative. I've always been pretty diligent about my pole practice at least I'm like you know after I teach after I teach at the studio I'll be like okay I'm gonna stay for an hour and just do something but I can't do that anymore so exhale movement me and Jessica we actually just created a movement deck so it's the different card prompts to help you with your creativity and your movement you know you can you shuffle the deck you pull a card out it'll say something For example, like, use more space is one of the cards. So, like, say you pull that card one day and you're like, okay, I'm going to let that guide my movement today. So that's something that I've been trying to play with, too. It's a really great tool because, you know, when I'm low on motivation, low on inspiration, I'm like, all right, let's see what what this card deck has has for me today. So sometimes I'll just pull that and then I'm like, all right, let's let's see where this takes me. Um, Sometimes it's something really cool. Sometimes it's like... Maybe, maybe it didn't really do much for me, and that's fine, you know? At least it got me moving. <laughs> do you think that's, that's a bit of, like, um, a false expectation we place in ourselves sometimes as well as movement artists? Like, we think everything must mean something. Everything must be, must amount to some sort of uh, high-performing result. Yes, 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 definitely. I feel like that's a very, that's a very, very true statement. <laughs> in a way, I'm like, do you, we don't need to over-intellectualize everything. <laughs> Yeah. And I think that also goes back to if something doesn't feel good for you today, like that's fine. And I I think that's because of that expectation of like, that should have triggered something in me that should have made my movement different. And if it doesn't, then it's like, oh, did I do something wrong? But no, that's not that's not true. You did not It just didn't resonate with you in that moment. I think like social media, it's a great platform for us to continuously send the message that we stand by. At one point, I was seeing this a lot on my feed. And I'm like, why am I seeing this so much? Am I, am I attracting some sort of vibe here? And what I mean by this <laughs> is like people will post a video and immediately in the caption, like the first sentence is already like, this is a bad thing. Da, 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 da. Please pardon oh, my yeah. um, non-perfect splits. Please pardon my non-perfect back. And I'm like, what's the point of you posting this video if you're going to like diss yourself? Yes, yes. I, I, yes, I see that a lot too. And I think a lot of people have spoken about that mm-hmm. or spoken out about that. And I think it's important to keep reminding people, like, just because it's social media doesn't mean you have to put your best foot forward all the time. That's the, that's the, that's the bad thing about social media, right? Like, everyone puts their best foot forward and they try to, and then everyone tries to one-up one, one another, and it's just this endless cycle. I feel like there's le- not no room for it, but nobody really makes room 
for posts that are your progress or your journey? What gets you from beginning to what you think is mastering this one type of movement or move or specific dance or whatever? And I feel like there's a lot more room for that. And I think more people need to see the progress and things that it's, it's not easy for anybody to master something, you know? And I feel like if more people saw, especially from people who have a lot of followers, who a lot of people do follow them and they see they do these amazing things, I think it's really beneficial for other people to see that, no, it does take multiple tries for them to like master this one move. It's not just a one and done thing, you know? Is that in line with what you're trying to create? Trying to create a space for people to remember what's grounding you? I think that partly that's what we're trying to do with the Movement Stories series that we have. You know, we're trying to interview as many people as we can, essentially, in different mediums. And just to find out, how did they get where they are today? They didn't just jump right into it Mm. and, like, they're amazing and they're talented at this one thing, right? I mean, talent is... Everyone has different, you know, different strengths there, but everyone still has to train to some extent to get to where they are today. So sharing, sharing other people's stories of how they got there, I think is really beneficial. Yeah, I think it would be really yeah. cool to like see how many more of um, cross trainers out there who has experienced pole like they don't need to be you know known in the pole community but at least have done pole and kind of be able to relate to like oh wow it's not just something that you can like show your butt on it's legit a tool that you can expand your your movement vocabulary actually something that's really interesting that um, marlo brought up when i was talking to her was she she was talking about how pole can actually be very beneficial for like older generations and i've never thought of it that way oh for sure dude we had just started a program um we just want to empower women over 50 for multiple reasons and it's not just for like obviously we know like the physiological benefits but personally i think it would do so much for their mental health and that translates into their emotional health obviously but also the aging brain yeah i think why that boggles my mind so much is because like I feel like pole has been you know injuring me in different <laughs> ways <laughs> so I'm oh, like no. how what like I, I'm like oh yeah like you know what no pole can actually be a very useful tool because in some ways like it is a it's a crutch in a way but then it's also like but you also need to build your strength to use this crutch right yeah I don't know I just I was just like mind blown of course like it'd be beneficial for people of older generations of course and like yeah and dude let's yeah. hear a movement story of your mom <laughs> she yeah, is in that demographic <laughs> of older she's done pole she's done apparently all kinds of stuff yeah i'll have to think about that i don't know if she'll want to speak to yeah the public. that's true that's true <laughs> i actually asked my dad would you come on my podcast and let me ask you difficult questions it's like okay <laughs> i'm like what really oh i did not expect you to say yes <laughs> yeah what does your dad do uh right now he is in the family business of construction not very exciting okay. but he has a history of like doing what he wants in terms of engineering is what he studied but uh yeah. he went through a, a phase where he's like no i don't want to do this i'm going to go open the nightclub so he opened a nightclub and he opened the bar and then he opened the gym and then he was bodybuilding for a bit 
And then he ran Malaysia's first like big global gym. And then we moved to the States. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming that's where you get all your influences fitness. from. Yeah, yeah like, definitely. In, in terms of like, you know, who has been kind of like that low key inspiration throughout your life. You know, it's not like inspo as in, oh, I remember everything he says, but it's more like the repetition of seeing what he was doing, how he was living, stuff like that. Like, who eats chicken and broccoli every day? Like, boiled chicken is just like tasteless <laughs> stuff, but yet he was able to do it because that's what he wanted to do, right? But definitely growing up in the gym had pretty much removed a lot of like inhibitors preventing me from going to the gym. Yeah, and that's just gym. Can you imagine just how many barriers it takes for women who, especially women who grew up in a more conservative um, environment to like pole dancing? No way. Mm-hmm. I will not be seen pole dancing. Yeah. And I think I'm very fortunate in that, that aspect of like my mom's the one who introduced me to pole. Also, you know, you, we were talking about like tiger moms and all that, right? Like my mom was never really the tiger mom per se. It was there, but it wasn't super prevalent. But it also definitely pushed me to do things and find my own way and all that jazz. (laughs) Do you think that's really crucial to how you're able to be more daring with your exploration today? I think if if my parents never pushed me to try things, I would not be daring enough to like try things on my own like your parents influence your mindset in in that way a lot they say you know you're if you should never show your child like you're scared of like whatever right because then they become scared of it i think that's like goes along same lines so i think because like my mom also she tried a lot of things she worked hard blah 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 you know and i I saw that and you know same with my dad and so it just got ingrained in me one question that you always ask in your movement stories is what does diversify and inclusion in your movement practice mean to you? Yeah. Um, for me that, so a couple different ways that I think about this. So in my personal movement to be able to find inspiration from a bunch of different places and people and being open to feedback and being open to learning different kinds of movement I think that in itself is a really beautiful thing because it can change your movement in so many different ways. Even if it's something that you're like, it's not usually how I do things or like my body doesn't move that way. That's still fine because try it. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Right. And you're like, okay. So that's how that influences me. It doesn't work for my body. Whereas like it could be something else where you're like, oh, this person was so inspirational to me. I want to learn from that person. And then you come out of a workshop and you're like, wow. Like, I feel so inspired. I want to try this and this and this. Um, so that's where that first comes from, right? Like, just being receptive to all types of movement and all types of, like, seeing other people move in different ways is also very beneficial. And then in terms of, like, inclusivity, also just open to, like, not being perfect and passing that on to people that you train with and people that, like, my students you know, like being okay with not being perfect and not having to nail everything on the first try. Also just re- like recognizing that people are different. We're all built differently. Having that knowledge can really help, especially if you're teaching. You know, recently since I started teaching online, I started 
finding different ways to be more inclusive as much as that I possibly can. And I'm still learning. You know, one way was I started wearing either like different colored knee pads or different colored shoes, you know, for some people who are more visual learners. And especially online, it's so much more difficult that way. And that has helped a lot of people, you know, setting the tone in your classes too, at to begin with and saying like, if you need modifications, let me know. I will give you a modification. Um, or even if you see like something, something's not working out for people, just offering that by itself um, without even having to ask them. Inclusivity is just being open to like offering options and just being receptive and yeah. I really like so. that, especially the whole wearing different color knee pads thing. Because I noticed that in your yeah. videos, and I'm like, that's legit what I would do as well if I want to say, your right leg. No, okay. Pink sock. Do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For some people, like, they don't, it's whatever. But for some people, it really helps. Actually, I, then I learned that technique from Jordan Kensley, like, a long, long time ago. I took one of her workshops, and she did that, and I was like, huh. Oh, that makes sense. How interesting. Like that's I was like I'm stealing that and I'm doing it. <laughs> Credit to yeah. Jordan, who's also one of yes. your movement stories. She was really awesome to talk to. Has there been like one significant event or just one significant ex- experience that completely changed your philosophy to movement? Honestly, since I started pole, specifically at Divide Movement, just because of their foundation and their um their mission statement and all that it's very clear and it made me and i'm sure anybody who who goes to the studio will say the same thing honestly it's pretty life-changing you know we're a women-only studio first of all so it's we're just women empowering women in the same space like hooting hollering for each other and like encouraging each other to no end so it's it's a really great space to be in and I think that just really solidified, you know, finding my personal, like, femininity and, like, being comfortable with, like, my body and, you know, how I want to move. And so, yeah, I would say definitely that. It sounds like Starting empowerment had really mm-hmm. chartered where you want to go with your movement. Yeah, definitely. Well, this has been great. Thank you so much, Evie, yeah. for your time. And sharing Thank with you. us. Can we see the movement awakening sneak? Yes. Yes. Our Kickstarter is up right now, up until the 27th of August. You can go to our Kickstarter and back the project. It's on our website. There's links on our social media pages, all that. But basically, here's the deck. This is an early prototype. Shiny, shiny. Um, shiny, yes, teal. I love how it looks <laughs> really classy. Thank you. Thank you. So we are making some adjustments to the box itself. I didn't, I didn't show this art you earlier. Yeah. Like the edges, which we're super excited about. This was a this was hard to get. I um, bet this is. You know a, I've never about. seen any other cards that has that. We had to go through quite a few hoops to get it. Back of the card, it's a foil stamp. The back of the design is going to be changing a little bit. And then there's an instruction card, and here is just the spread. All right. Could we, could we yeah. pick one right now and see what it says and see if we yeah. could apply it for the day? Yeah. So the deck is, just to preface a little bit, so the deck is meant for dancers and movement artists, even 
like yoga people or wellness practitioners, meditation, or maybe just like your mantra for the day kind of thing, right? I'll just hover and pick, <laughs> tell me when to stop. <laughs> uh, okay, there you go, right there. Right there, okay. okay. Take, Take it, it down, down a, a notch. notch. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so our intention is just, you can use this when you're stuck in your creative practice or movement practice, meditation practice. Pull a card like this one, take it down a notch. Yeah. If that resonates with you, let it guide your practice. If it doesn't, put it back, draw another card. Or maybe you just let this be an intention that you set for the day. I think I'm going to try that this week. Yeah. Well, I'd like to see this on IG Live, which you'll be doing. Have you started doing the IG Lives? We did one. We did one with just me and Jessica so far, um, just to kind of test the waters. We'll hopefully be doing with you. And uh, Marlo's also doing one with us. And I think Jordan's also doing one with us, Jordan nice. Kensley. Awesome. It'll be fun. Yes. I'm excited to see how people use it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And definitely, I'll be back in the Kickstarter. Mm, thank Please you. make it. Will you still make it <laughs> <Thank> anyway? <you>. <laughs> we hope so. I think we're at a, almost 60% funded right now. So again, Kickstarter is all or nothing. So if we don't meet our goal, you won't be charged mm. and we just don't get the money. But if we do meet our goal, then we can get these beautiful decks out to all of you and you can use them. Excellent. I think the world needs this beautiful deck. Y'all, you got to check out this jujitsu based nonprofit called Tap Cancer Out. Tap Cancer unites the Brazilian jiu-jitsu community and empowers competitors to fight for more than just points and medals. They fight for those who are in the fight of their lives. And they're helping Alex Lemonade Stand Foundation change the lives of children with cancer and their families by funding critical research grants and family services. If you're in the U.S., you can get involved through jiu-jitsu tournaments, either competing or volunteering, as well as fundraise for TCO. If you're out of the U.S., you can still fundraise to benefit TCO. And you can get any of their super cool merch like rash guards, tees, hoodies, bags, and more on their website. For 10% off, you can use my code AMB underscore T-A-N underscore friends. That's AM underscore TAN underscore friends. Because that's what friends are for. Thank you for tuning in today's episode. If you found any of our topics thought-provoking and would like to engage, do send in your message via the contact page on this website, tacklingminds.com. Thank you for supporting this podcast, which indirectly supports my recovery from cancer. Making this podcast has been a saving grace. The mission is to drive healthy conversations on mental wellness for positive growth. If you align with this purpose, it would mean a lot to me if you could rate the show on Apple Podcasts and subscribe via our website. Another way you can support the production of the show is through Patreon. Link will be in the show notes. At this point, I'm hitting my 18-month post-bone marrow transplant. If you're curious about how I'm doing with cancer, you can get caught up with that through my videos on YouTube and my website, emilylolatan.com. Lastly, if you're sharing this episode with your friends on social media, don't forget to tag me. I want to see you and thank you. Tag me on Facebook and Instagram with the handle at Tackling Minds or at The Emily Tan. All right, y'all. Stay curious. Love hard.